0: Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum, is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And with us, our guest today is Neil Egan. Hi guys. Hey Neil. Hello. So, and, uh, Hello Neil. We just were talking a little bit before we started recording. Neil designed our logo, so uh, if you guys like that, Neil is the one to thank.
2: <laughs> and if you hate it, I'm the one to come after with torches.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know that too many people get to get that <laughs> excited over a logo. No, um, I doubt it. Although I don't I know.
3: I don't know. Some when logos change,
2: people people get pretty angry. Pat, that is a great point. When I am very amused anytime. Uh, Inevitably, this comes up in our group of you know peers and designers. You know, people forward around the links when some big, well-known company redesigns their logo or branding or something, and everyone wants to take shots at it. And I, it's it's always fascinating to me how passionate people get about that subject.
1: Well, I mean, I guess uh, because people don't really have jack shit else to complain about. <laughs> Yeah. is my guess <laughs> well,
3: sometimes it's also nostalgia people are like oh i love that when i was a kid
1: sure yeah
3: well but yeah. yes people don't have anything better to complain about right so I, let's give them something to complain about
1: yeah I, I doubt that i doubt that kind of thing would cause such an uproar in uh, the sudan you know <laughs> right <laughs> where there are real problems allegedly i don't know how much of that's media hype I anyway, at all. <laughs> I'm just we we like to per- well, I was going to say this because this ties into what uh we were j- I was just doing uh last week uh it hasn't come out yet, but uh w- well for you Neil, for the listeners it has. Mm-hmm. Um we were doing a a little thing where we were pretending to be conservative and at the end of it I couldn't do it. I had to say <laughs> I'm liberal. <laughs> so I don't I don't know why it freaks me. I don't want somebody to tune in like and that be their first one and think we're right. being serious about it.
2: So wait. So you, I, I'm looking forward to hearing this episode. You take the role of a conservative and viewpoint, and just sort of.
1: Well, I mean, it was just it was just dumb, uh, <laughs> pretend bashing Obama and Obamacare oh, just for you know a couple minutes. But I see. Um, well, Pat or Neil, actually, you're the guest. It was your pick. You want to tell people what we're uh, what the topic is today? Well, I thought I you know, I know your format is. M-
2: pretty usually to uh to compare one thing to another thing and uh i thought you know honestly i was having a hard time coming up with something i just wanted to get in on the show and and participate and uh we were chatting and i thought well i just watched ghostbusters this past halloween it's a you know lifelong favorite of mine uh so maybe it would be fun to compare ghostbusters one versus ghostbusters two um even though it's not really something I'm super passionate about anymore. I, As a kid, it was one of my all-time favorite movies. And I still think that the first movie holds up. So, uh, And there's your subject.
1: That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and I would agree that uh, the first one holds up. What do you think, Pat?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. And it was just as good as when I was a kid. And I loved it when I was a kid. I was a member of the Ghostbusters fan club. I had a shirt that people wow. made fun of me for. I had a sticker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I loved the movie when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was like 10 or 11. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, John, you're, you're a bit older than me, but uh, I, I, when, in, in 1984, God, I was just a little tyke. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing – I never saw the movie in the theater, for instance. It, I, was, I was a little too young for my parents to take me to the theater to see it. Uh, but I remember seeing it on – Cable. Well, I think my parents recorded it when we first got a VCR. Uh, this would probably be in the later 80s, and they recorded it off cable, and we would watch it nonstop at home on this re- crappy recording off of television. That my parent, I found out later, either my parents had had edited out, or maybe the TV edit did not include that weird scene where. Dan Aykroyd gets a ghost BJ. (laughs) And I I I remember seeing it years later when I got the DVDs uh, as a, a Christmas present or something. And I just remembered being like, "What is this doing here?" Because <laughs> I'd only ever seen this weird home movie version,
1: and you missed the most beautiful scene in the whole movie.
3: I was like, "I'm
2: thinking your parents' cut was the better one." <laughs> I know it's so it's so distracting and
1: out of place. I mean, yeah, it's it's a misstep.
2: I mean, you know, like there's a lot of 1980s era like comedy, you know. Uh, Sexual tension and kind of Bill Murray being like a uh, you know skirt chaser kind of character. There's all kinds of jokes in the movie that are sexual, but to have that very weird kind of uh, yeah, well kind of hammy joke that Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> I'm sure, like had something to do with. Well, he was <laughs> one of the <laughs>
3: writers. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: yeah,
3: and apparently there. I was reading a lot of the stuff that was. In those those scenes that were a bunch of stuff was happening, were longer scenes that were going to be in the movie, but they didn't have time for it. So <laughs> that was probably like a longer actual part oh of the story God. that they had to cut out. And they just can put, you
2: imagine put like ten of minutes of Dan Aykroyd having like ghost sex with <laughs> <laughs> some weird, and then talking about it.
1: <laughs> I yeah I. I can actually, at this point, imagine Dan Aykroyd doing a whole movie of that, and <laughs> that and talking about it. But uh, Maybe the thing that's is, what when...
2: Ghostbusters Three should be—just <laughs> <laughs> a Dan Aykroyd
3: ghost porn. <laughs> when I when I think of of this movie, I now I think of Dan Aykroyd wrote this movie, and he thinks it's a it's a true story, and just Bill
2: oh, Murray yeah. showed up and made it a fun movie. <sighs> Nothing is sadder to me than like. All of Dan Aykroyd's career after I don't know the Blues Brothers or something like he he started off so good and just fell so far.
1: Well, there's always uh, my girl. Mm. Yeah, but he
2: doesn't. He's like what the dad in that. I yeah, feel I know. like I'm, That's I'm, something I've seen maybe as a twelve year old. I don't know. I'm He was the
3: it. he was the son in Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, I,
2: I didn't
1: care for that. that. I thought it was pretty uh, racist. <laughs>
2: I mean, he's 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 just pretty much the worst. I I think there was one movie that that he was okay in, and even that is probably I haven't watched it in years. But the uh, uh, oh shoot, um, the movie, the Hitman movie with um, oh, Gross Point Blank. Yeah, Gross Point Blank. Thank you. He was a supporting
0: character. He was,
2: but too. it was like a weird. It, it was thankfully a little bit of a darker character for him. Nowadays, he's just he always plays such weird sappy humorless characters and that one was funny because at least he was being violent and swearing and stuff but <laughs> he
3: did all right in tommy
2: boy um, yeah he was a good he's a good villain and he yeah but he takes himself way too seriously and it's, yeah. just, it's just so embarrassing
1: yeah that's the thing i think uh you hit it he seems very humorless yeah uh, for the past couple decades i don't really get it yeah um but i Ghost mean if you Bo-
2: don't if you don't count making your own vodka in the shape of a skull that's, that's uh, funny to me.
3: Wait, is that something he has done? He, has he has
2: that Crystal Head Vodka. He he had something to do it with branding and launching this. Have you ever been walk past a liquor store and seen like a weird cl- cl- like glass bottle in the shape of a skull? If you ever do, that's Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head Vodka, based on some <laughs> kind of supernatural legend of the crystal skulls or something or other.
3: Oh, we're weird. talking well, about bad things he's done. Well, we we can't we can't not mention the great thing he did with uh, Blues Brothers 2000.
2: <laughs> I'd never seen that, and I never will. Neither have I.
1: I like that uh, Roseanne played his uh, pl- took over the part of John Belushi in that though. That was inspired casting. Oh. So you did see it? Uh, I read about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, none of us have seen that one.
1: I did. Wh- why would we? I hadn't seen Ghostbusters 2 until uh,
2: this weekend. And that's wise. That's wise. Because I, <laughs> I think that when I was a kid, I was like, great, more Ghostbusters. But watching it as an adult, it is pretty god-awful. I, I,
3: yeah, I saw- at the perfect time to hate it. I saw it when I was like 14 and my mm. critical skills were just starting. And I was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And, and I was commenting as I watched it, my friends weren't quite as critical as I was and they were getting annoyed. But when Slammer
2: came up, I just wanted to leave Ugh, yeah, and he was so driving cool. the bus. I was like,
3: this is just the cartoon. Get me out of here.
2: Yeah. I mean, had the, now my question is, cause I, I was really into the cartoon. I loved cartoons as a kid. I still love cartoons actually, but I, I was big into the Ghostbusters cartoon that was on like After School or whatever. I'd come home and watch it, and I watched it completely without irony or criticism. I just thought it was great. But I, I mean, it must be terrible to watch. You know, it, there's no way any shred of that could hold up.
1: Well, they still show it here, Neil. On is that right? Uh, I don't have cable, but you know, I have like antenna cable. Oh, like yeah. Just some weird fucking channel, like channel 65 or 66 <laughs> or something they show. They show it, like, late at night, wow. along I th- with uh, He-Man. I would,
3: I would imagine it's one of those cartoons that kids still like, but adults never liked. like. Right. Y- your parents d- wouldn't have enjoyed watching it with you back then.
1: I don't know. That no. 80s animation is pretty uh, lame. I don't, yeah. know, so I don't know if the kids could get into that these days. It's true. Uh,
3: yeah, it's not
2: flashy enough, and there's not enough things happening, probably.
3: And it's basically just a toy commercial and
2: kids nowadays they can see through that. Well, can they? I mean like Pokemon and stuff, I don't know. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Uh but I think I think what was weird about uh the cartoon, well I don't know when what when, when the release of the animated show and then the second movie. I don't know how the timing on that worked cuz I realized when remembering the cartoon it was called The Real Ghostbusters because there was another Ghostbusters cartoon that was a competing idea that was had nothing to do with the movie but was cashing in on its a huge popularity. Right, that that existed before the movie. Exactly. Right. Cuz Ghostbusters were, I was I went down this rabbit hole of like look, looking into all of that stuff. So what did you find out about it? Just
3: about what you said. <laughs> The cartoon that already existed, and they were going to change the name of the movie. But Wrightman liked the name so much that they got they bought the film rights, but they didn't mm-hmm. have the cartoon rights. So that I I don't think that the original cartoon was was ever made. But one that was so popular that they started making it, and then the the
2: yeah, the, that's uh, what it was, right?
3: The real Ghostbusters people said so we want to make something, so that was called the real Ghostbusters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so weird, and it had. Uh, I I read this really funny fact that um, you know they. They cast different voice actors, of course, for all the characters. Not, it's not like Bill Murray and Dan Eckrich are going to do cartoon voices. But, uh, but the, uh, the actor who plays Winston Zedmore... The Black Ghostbuster was the only one who went out for his own part in the cartoon, and I thought that was so <laughs> sad. And he didn't get it; they gave it to they gave it to um, Arsenio Hall of all people. Oh, that's awesome! I thought that was so sad. <laughs> Poor Ernie Hudson. I Ernie Hudson exactly. Um, He's a listener. Oh yeah,
1: this one's for you, Ernie. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. <laughs> Ernie Hudson is greater <laughs> than Arsenio Hall. I think so, too. In most people's <laughs> minds, that's kind of. But he must have been. A, well, it says here the real Ghostbusters ran from 86 to 91. So it started two years after the original Ghostbusters and lasted okay. two years after Ghostbusters 2.
2: Right, because Ghostbusters 2 is in 89. Yeah. So, so fascinating. So that's what Ghostbusters 2 feels like. It feels so like, commercial and so like a like a movie that's tied to products and just like it's so stilted and and stiff when compared to the first one yeah,
1: yeah well yeah. let we'll go into the first one then i think sure. uh i don't think we need to even describe the plot to anybody do we
2: no but some guys get kicked out of school and then they start catching ghosts <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> hilarity ensues <laughs> I, I think the the
3: basically you just need to know bill mary's awesome bill Murray's and oh, awesome. Bill yeah. mary and uh What's his name?
1: Moranis, Rick Moranis,
2: Harold, awesome. Harold Ramis. Oh, Rick and Moranis. Rick, yeah, Moranis, all of yeah. Rick Moranis are awesome in this for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah the uh, it it's really uh, there's a real contrast when you watch them back to back, like I did. Um, exactly. This one's this one's really funny, and uh, it's got it's got charm, and the uh, the effects don't hold up so well, but they're good enough for the time. You know, I actually disagree. I think that one of the things that made it so uh
2: powerful in my little tyke imagination was was the visuals were so unlike anything that i had seen i mean it it's very of its time it looks like a lot of other special effects movies of that era but like those the you know the the equipment that they use and the things that happen ar- around the ghosts and the supernatural stuff it all has this very specific look and feel and i think i, I think i remember reading that ILM did Industrial Light and Magic did the effects for the movie, and uh, and the sound design. It's so specific. It's like you know the the sounds that all the you know all the equipment and the cars and the ghosts and the, even the soundtrack. It's all really really well crafted to be this very unique uh, thing that you remember. Like you hear one little sound effect from that movie, and and it's very easy to identify from Ghostbusters. And uh, you know, I I just think that. Even though the special effects are kind of weird and goofy now, when you look at them, there's still some really wonderful craft that you can. It's like you know, with old the old Star Wars or um, you know any anything that was made in the 70s or 80s that has that feeling of it's it's super of its time. But it has this really specific look and quality because they were doing it was like the top of the line you know cutting edge effects of its day that I think is really charming and and fun to see now because it'd be really difficult for digital effects to look that way because they were doing it by hand like painting things on film and I don't know there's like a really uh, lovely quality to that stuff that I that I still prefer in some cases
1: don't get me wrong I I much prefer the old uh, effects to CGI 99% of the time. It's just a uh, I it wouldn't by today's standards. Um Yeah. Kids seen it today would would see right through I think. Like I, when I was watching uh, Oh,
3: you're supposed to see right through ghosts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Point to you, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. We uh but I was when I was watching like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, yeah. walking through the city. It was obviously—I um, mean, it wasn't obvious that it was a dude in a suit. But in this one scene, it was obvious—it was a dude in a suit walking on a uh, model city because mm-hmm. one of the, a taxi came up and pulled back, and it was so—I uh, mean, it was very clear it was a remote control car. Well,
3: that oh, kind of stuff doesn't bother me nearly as much as the the visual effects, like the explosions and stuff that look look off. Like you can see that it's not. It's the guys aren't really there, like it's a green screen or blue screen, whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. the The, the yeah. models are,
2: I think, are actually a little bit awesome. I always just thought it was really, like, it really captured my imagination, like the equipment that they use and like the power, the proton packs, and the and the like the you know weird glowing energy that comes out of them, like what is that for? What does it do? It always very, <laughs> it was always very <laughs> ambiguous. Like, what are they actually doing with these crazy, with this crazy gear? And I just, I, I would like try to figure out and figure it out in my mind. Like what, you know, how, if I was a Ghostbuster, what is that for? Like, I, I don't know. It, it really locked in on, in, in my imagination, I think.
1: Well, I mean, if you would have read a physics book, it would have cleared everything up for you. That's oh. all make believe, probably. But <laughs> I know what you're saying. Because I think I think the vagueness is what
2: it is. What drew me in is is what I'm trying to say.
1: Oh yeah, no, I know what you're saying. And and they had to be vague with the, yeah. the paranormal shit and. Honestly, they're not really so much Ghostbusters. They bust one real actual ghost in the <laughs> library at the beginning. But it's mostly demons and stuff, which is better. I mean, it's harder to wring comedy out of uh, dead relatives, I guess. That's ex- that's true. I mean, the, the librarian at the beginning is, is
2: kind of legitimately scary. Like, that's a kind of spooky scene. They're, they're building a lot of tension. And the effects for that are cool. Like I was still, like, when I watched the library scene in the beginning, when the cards all start flying out of the drawers... Like, that's kind of amazing. Like, how did they do that? Uh, and that's like a practical effect. It's happening in the room with them. And that's something that you don't see a lot of now. And then, the you know, the sweet old librarian turns into this crazy ghoul, uh, which is, you know, very 1950s kind of spooky.
1: Yeah.
3: I thought a lot of this movie made me uh, think of an older movie, not just mm-hmm. the like the the way they used that the New York building it was a an old style building but also the way they made it into a character mm-hmm. like the building actually came alive and the the look of it was very 40s 50s
2: was, that made me really think of a 19 an older movie sure like it's got this real like it's a haunted house but it happens to be in Manhattan
1: right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it i mean it reminded me of uh some older movies too um I think Debbie Does Dallas <laughs> that might just be the Dan Aykroyd blowjob scene though. <laughs> the uh the I do wanna point out that it is it is very funny. The humor the humor holds up and humor is one of the hardest things to uh travel across time. Definitely. I mean, I can't I almost can't watch uh like Charlie Chaplin and stuff like that. Mm. So, I mean I can I can watch a lot of it but, but things that are too slapstick or like you know bob hope and, and See,
3: i think slapstick travels a lot better than stuff like bob hope where it's topical human. right things,
2: yeah things that are topical almost never like even saturday night live from like 10 years ago you try to watch that and nine out of ten sketches are just hopelessly
1: stuck in that wired in their time time period you know because oh, no, i'll
3: never show. get sick of the, the clinton mcdonald's jokes
1: <laughs> i uh Well, yeah, maybe Bob Hope was one example, but even like Henny Youngman, who wasn't necessarily topical, but like the kind of one-liner humor, real sticky, yeah, yeah, real sticky and corny. For that doesn't that doesn't hold up, but uh, Ghostbusters does.
2: Yeah, it does. Yeah, Bill Murray is hilarious throughout. I think it's you. You said it at the beginning. It's like this is a movie where we cast Bill Murray so he can be Bill Murray, not like delivering some kind of really specific jokes that are you know stuck in a particular time period he's just being he's bill murraying around while all this other shit happens in the background like all this crazy supernatural stuff but it's grounded by bill murray just being bill murray
3: and apparently a lot of his stuff was improvisational
2: that doesn't surprise me yeah me Mm either
3: And the the, a lot of Rick Moranis' stuff was improvisational too. Like the the, it said the (laughs) the entire that scene where he's at the party, describing everything on the table and talking to everybody. He just did that as they shot the scene, which (sighs) makes it funnier. He's
2: so great. I I, he really is. It's really sad that he kind of faded away and did you know kind of gave not gave up but retired from acting for a long period of time. But uh, he I heard an interview recently with him. Ah, uh, cuz he just he just kind of came back into the public eye uh, after his retirement to release like an album of like weird yiddish songs or something some kind of jewish folk songs or something and uh, but but in the interview he's just a sweet uh, uh, like funny smart savvy guy and you just like wow i, w- I wonder what other cool stuff he would have made if he didn't have I guess he retired because his his wife passed away and he wanted to raise his kids or something.
1: Well, that's kind so of a selfish. shitty reason to retire. Yeah. yeah,
2: I don't know. I, I who knows? I'll, who knows what what that's
1: all about? I'll I'll echo a line of one of the characters in the film when Rick Moranis comes up to him and starts talking to his horse when he's possessed. What an <laughs> asshole! <laughs> <laughs> no, Rick Moranis seems like a yeah. know he seems really, like really a really nice guy. Super nice guy. I don't that doesn't surprise me at all. He, yeah, he's brilliant though. It's true. And um, yeah, Bill Murray. It's it's much like uh, Chris Elliott, who we've talked about before. They they basically write the shit for that character. Yeah, and he does it. I mean, this is Bill Murray. If you don't like Bill Murray, well, I don't know who doesn't like Bill Murray, but maybe some Jehovah's Witnesses find him too sassy or something.
2: I have it on record that Michael Morris does not get what's so great about Bill Murray. I've heard it from his mouth, his lips, in a, a conversation that we had not too long ago. Uh, so I'm
1: going to bring that up right here for the record. Oh, Michael's getting some shit next time he's on.
2: <laughs> Chevy Chase also doesn't like Bill Murray.
1: Chevy Chase... Yeah, they had
2: a fight. They had a fist fight, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: when Chevy came back to host SNL. Uh huh. Yeah, I guess the rest of the cast was goading Bill Murray on. And... Yeah, well, good for Bill Murray. That, that makes me like him even more.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all these people, like, I, I think it's... It's really fascinating to to think about what a person who comes across as sort of magnetic and charming on screen how they are actually in real life. I bet Bill Murray's a disaster to be around too. Like he he's his ego has to be like insane because everyone loves him. Like everyone just showers him with love uh, no matter where he goes. So I think, you know, Chevy Chase I think is a little more obviously a dick, <laughs> but Bill Murray is probably just as as high maintenance to be around.
3: Well, in interviews, sometimes he seems humorless. He seems mm-hmm. like he's he's like great at the craft, but I have heard that he if he'll just show up at a party and have a good time.
2: Yes, and I and I, yeah, there's yeah, he's cool. There's yeah. something special about him.
1: I heard he doesn't even have a manager really or an <laughs> agent. He just like people have to figure out a way to get in touch with him and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
3: Call Dan Aykroyd.
1: <laughs> yeah. He sh- he's easy to get in touch. I think I have his number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Google it.
3: I, I just go on his Tumblr.
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could see that about... He's also kind of gone the uh, Dan Aykroyd route of uh, trying to be a serious actor, which... Um, I like him in Jim Jarmer's stuff. I, I think he needs to stop doing Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah. Um, I think he should go back to a comedy. This Bill Murray and Ghostbusters is, like you said, just Bill Murray. It's it's Meatballs, Bill Murray. Yeah. It's uh, Caddyshack, Bill Murray.
3: I don't remember him being such a creep. I, when I was a kid, I remember watching this movie and thinking, "This is what I want to be like when I grow up." But I, I don't really think anyone should be like him when he, they grow up. But it's still fun to
0: watch.
2: Yeah, his, he's not he's not a quote good person. Like he's you know he's being selfish and uh sexist and just like generally kind of shitty but it's just like he kind of does it with this wink and uh and humor that makes you feel like ah yeah that guy he's just doing what he does
1: (laughs) well and that's the thing that's one thing between the two movies you can you can if you can have some charm and do it uh, with a wink, and so that people know when you're joking and not. Or not, you can get away with it. Uh, if you can't do that, then you're just being a dick. I think what's what
2: work like the the a good comparison between the first and second is like being able to see Bill Murray like the strings, like him. He's trying so hard to be this Bill Murray character in this really weird artificial setting, whereas the first movie just it works organically, everything kind of supports Bill Murray around or whatever, and and the other plot points all kind of fall into place. Where the second film it's just it's so stiff and weird. And then Bill Murray trying to be that same charming character with an even weirder plot and even more forced elements and and all the secondary characters being so awkward it just feel like it all kind of falls apart that the thing that supports bill murray being kind of a creep but just being charming it's just too thin and it doesn't
1: hold up yeah well the second movie uh forced is the right word for uh why it doesn't work but well let's stick we'll we'll stick with okay one still for now I'm sure we we'll should have...
3: talk about how good Sigourney Weaver is she's
2: awesome
1: <laughs> she is awesome
2: she's 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 got a special talent for being kind of the straight one in this in the movie in terms of like playing everything very straight and just sort of it it's so silly like watching her react to things and being in in such a super silly movie but just <laughs> always reacting to everything very honestly and very <laughs> you know very straight laced but (laughs) pulling it off is amazing like her ability to do that is incredible
1: yeah you need you need one of those in in any movie that's this uh ridiculous yeah it's with its premise i think and yeah she does a really good job she's never winking
2: never being ironic she's always just like being very (laughs) straightforward and keeping it grounded
1: in that way i think and her interactions with uh, Rick Moranis are great. I think Just, yeah. he's obviously in love with her, and and she's not a bitch to him. But no. she's, she's obviously not interested. I love his. I I would like to know if his line was improvised. About uh, would you like to come in for some mineral water? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: the timing so. and and the, the the writing, even if they were improvised, if those scenes, it's so great.
3: I was reading some uh, casting uh, stuff that, that happened. Originally, the Rick Moranis role was going to be played by John Candy.
2: I read that, too. That is really strange to me.
3: Yeah, and the the reason it didn't happen was that he insisted on making the character German and have two dogs. What? And and they wouldn't let him do it, so he's like, I don't want to be in the movie.
2: Was he still... Wait, John Candy wanted to be an accountant that was German and had two dogs?
3: Yeah, well, I don't know if it was... was I don't think he was going to be as nerdy as as the Moranis character. He was going to be a... uh, Cutthroat. More of, like, a conservative
1: businessman. Oh, weird. Oh, I can't picture it at all. I mean, Rick Moranis does such a great job in his role, it's impossible to picture anybody else in it anyway, but... That would have been an odd, an odder movie. I don't think it would have worked as well. And to
3: go the Arsenio Hall connection, Ernie Hudson's character was going to be played by Eddie Murphy and arrive earlier in the
2: movie. Oh, weird! And it, Eddie Murphy was going to be the one who was slimed instead of Bill Murray. See, yeah, that wouldn't have worked. You'd have you'd have two huge stars trying to like both out funny and out sort of be that charming. Yeah, well, it was like,
3: before Eddie Murphy was a big star. It was before. I guess he was. A, oh,
2: he was pretty big. I, this came out the same year as Forty Eight uh, Hours. Forty Eight Hours or no, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah, because yeah. he so, did
3: Beverly Hills Cop instead of this.
2: So that he those right. Okay, so this would have been him being cast in the movie right before he really exploded. I mean, he he was already like kind of a, a smaller success, but then yeah. Beverly Hills.
3: I forgot about 48 hours. I can I I thought Burial Hills' Cop was his first big movie, but it was his first huge movie. Anyway, it would it it does change everything.
1: No, that would have been that that again wouldn't have worked. No. no. I, there's no way that would have worked. It's not even that Bill Murray is like so much the top banana here. Everybody does a good job, I think, but right. you can't have uh, I think the egos would have shown on screen. Yeah.
2: It uh, would have been a, a really weirdly competitive vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, and the kind of humor that Rick Moranis has is so different than Bill Murray and even Harold Ramis had some great lines that it's just so yeah. so much more subtle, but Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray are, are more along the same lines, more out, you know, really loud.
1: Yeah, Harold Ramis' character was really really good to I mean he seemed like he was kind of, he was your basic stock uh, movie scientist kind of somewhere on the spectrum.
2: But that's and that's the thing that kind of lets Bill Murray kind of he's the one person who can kind of be above and kind of cooler than everyone else and kind of like do everything with a little bit of like a I'm looking down on all this, but I'm participating. Where, you know, Rick Moranis is being just like a super cartoonish nerd. Harold Ramis is being Egon, a guy like literally like it sounds like Igor. It's like it's a very artificially nerdy character and Dan Aykroyd is talking like a, a weird space robot. <laughs> so, like, you know, Bill Murray comes out looking like the cool guy.
1: Right, yeah. And, uh, well, we should go back to I wanted to go back to a little bit Bill Murray's dickishness, uh, his character, just because mm-hmm. Pat had brought it up. But he, in the beginning, when he's working at the university research, he's hitting on a co-ed uh, <laughs> from Charles in Charge, I think. Is that where she was? Oh, really? I I she that. looks like every sitcom like from, the 80s. Girl from yeah. the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you're right. He is very sexist, although uh, I would point out that... He doesn't take advantage of Sigourney Weaver when she's possessed, which he's right, and that's the balance, I guess,
2: that makes you feel like, oh, he's a good guy. Like he... yeah, we'll that would be pass. really
3: creepy. Yeah. Oh
1: man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
3: well that's more De- Debbie Does Dallas territory.
1: She does say, "I want you inside me," which is kind of shocking mm-hmm. for a PG movie. Um, totally for ostensibly for kids, I guess. Different uh, era but and and then he has the a great Spring. line. I, I think you already have at least two people in there already. It's <laughs> a really funny line. <laughs> and that, a lo- and that that scene in the beginning
2: when he's taking advantage of the the, the nerd and treating the 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 pretty blonde, you know, uh, basically electrocuting the nerd yeah. <laughs> so that he can maybe get a date with the blonde. like that's a super dick move, but it's really it's a very funny scene. Like that guy who plays the nerd is hilarious.
1: <laughs> what were you gonna say, Pat? It
3: just reminded me a line that I didn't even realize was from Ghostbusters. That's really funny. Was uh, dogs and cats living together? Mass hysteria.
1: <laughs> I know. I thought that was for some reason. I, I had Simpsons. A, I thought it was Breakfast Club. Oh. It's from.
2: Isn't it from? Uh, oh no, no, it's from this. You're saying it's from Ghostbusters. It is. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Because there's an, another line from Caddyshack that it, that sort of makes me think of the, where he's talking about meeting the Dalai Lama. <laughs> sorry <laughs> totally unrelated got that going for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: well we should hey we should do a uh caddyshack versus something yeah, we sometime should too. Caddyshack. caddyshack one verse two <laughs> uh, oh, no God, don't no. do it nope. i can't watch jackie mason <laughs> <laughs> I'm constitutionally i, actually, I, I it.
3: almost emailed you guys uh, changing this show to to compare Ghostbusters versus because I didn't want to watch Ghostbusters 2 versus there's a movie from the 40s called Spookbusters but it's impossible Uh-oh. to find so I said forget it. It's Uh-oh. a Bowery, Bowery Boys uh, movie but it's like the only print you can get is on VHS and from Amazon so I was like oh that's not going to work. That's too bad.
2: I would have rather watched that than Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> myself.
1: <laughs> well the Bowery Boys that that was like all about a bunch of uh, kids living in poverty and filth right? Was that wasn't that that series?
3: It was it was funny.
1: The, <laughs> What's not, not r- funny
2: about filth
0: <laughs>
1: and poverty?
3: The way you're making it sound makes it sound like it's
1: they weren't playing it for laughs. No, I knew it was a comedy. That's why I phrased it that way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no Ghostbusters. I I agree. I didn't mean to make it sound like I didn't like the effects. I just mm. after after decades of CGI, I just wonder a kid watching this today if they if it would if they would be turned off a bit by the effects. And I totally agree
2: with that. Like it does seem very maybe quaint or corny or just kind of weird by like today's standards. I but
3: think by the time they get to the effects, the, the how slow the movie moves is gonna yeah. all, all already make them get on their phone, so they're already <laughs> lost.
0: Well yeah, I do think
3: true.
2: there's something there's something to the old effects from the this in this movie that are are so weird because they had to do it that way. Like they had to find a solution that they could they could pull off, as opposed to just dreaming up anything the sky's the limit with that you can do now with, with right. computer effects, you know. That that it lends it such a strangeness that I think
1: is works in its favor. I think Having to use your ingenuity always works in your favor in in creative endeavors and uh and I think it's a it's a bit why I don't like movies as much nowadays overall mm-hmm. uh, as I used to where like you said they can they know they can do anything so they just do it and it it stops being impressive
3: yeah and I think another thing about these these early 80s late 70s movies is they were made for the big screen so when you see them on a small screen the special effects don't don't look as good. And they didn't, they didn't think about that. It wasn't something they were thinking about when they were making movies. Oh, DVD release, VHS releases. It wasn't really right. going through their minds because they right. said that the, the first DVD release, they could really see the, I forget if it was the math or the strings or, or something like that When on, on the right up on Wikipedia. And it's just like, well, they're not really yeah. thinking about watching this on, on TV at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did see Ghostbusters earlier this year in the theater. They did a, uh, at the Paramount here in Oakland, they did a uh, a showing of it, and they had people dressed up as Ghostbusters. Oh, walking I'm really the sad and... that I missed that. That would be <laughs> cool to see in the theater. Sounds, uh, was it fun? It was. I think you went, might have seen a movie with us at that. The- no, you didn't. Yeah. Matt. Oh,
3: um, was this, that's not where we saw Minority Report? The-
1: no, 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 that was uh, Grand Lake. Um, but they still, the the Paramount does have the uh, organ player before the movie.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
3: Too.
1: It's yeah. um, the Paramount is probably
2: two times or three times as big as the grand lake main theater it's like same era but even more grand and kind of like over the top it's amazing it's a
1: beautiful beautiful theater yeah it's a nice old art deco uh style theater and i I saw i saw elvis costello there once cool uh anyway ghostbusters at one point there's a there's a
3: i want to continue this this (laughs) offshoot but there's a there's an organ in san francisco i guess the castro or some theater, sure. and there's one in oakland or maybe a couple in oakland there's a couple throughout california and there's one guy who played them all and he lived in santa barbara because there's a, a theater in uh, santa barbara called the arlington and that was his base and he would just travel around and play the organ in different places i, I thought was really neat.
2: To- i got totally fascinated by this same subject when i first moved here about two years ago and we saw our first show at one of the one, the theater in Oakland that has the the this kind the Wurlitzer organ that I was so like baffled by it and blown away by how like crazy and wonderful it was that I had to just like find out everything I could and it's really cool that California has so many of them because they're so rare um, but I mean the one at the at the the Grand Lake Theater here in Oakland. Um, I me- we just went to some show, some movie, and at 7 o'clock, this guy comes, he just walks out, and he starts playing it. And not only is it, like, kooky organ sounds and very big, complicated-looking keyboard, but it, like, he's controlling percussion instruments. And, like, all this stuff is actually, like, just behind some little screen somewhere. And he's just, like, mashing all the keys and, like, playing it, like, with hands and feet flying around and it sounds like you know like a marching band is playing behind the screen it's really really wild yeah uh, the the greatest
3: thing is it's not it's not what you're there for it's just what they're doing yeah. as you sit down waiting for the movie i love that we salute you organ dude we there should and go. there there's an odd uh there's a, a, a pizza place here in philadelphia that has a bunch of uh pizza memorabilia and somehow there's, there's some kind of connection between uh, worlds or organs and pizza places because there's about seven record albums of pipes and pizza of different pizza places throughout the years that had an <laughs> organ and they sold pizza so.
1: I was wondering what pizza memorabilia was it's all was, kinds you of got things like, they sell diarrhea there <laughs> <laughs> on display
3: I don't, I, don't, I don't know where you get your pizza but it's the wrong place
1: it's 100% Dominoes. There are other pizza places. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Um, oh, theme song, of course. Yeah. Uh, Ray Parker Jr. sued by Huey Lewis for yeah. uh, copyright infringement on the theme for uh, "I Want a New Drug," which came out the previous year. It's pretty uncanny. It is when you when you listen to him. Uh, once you hear that, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty. I'm I'm Team Ray and he, well but
2: Huey Lewis had been asked to do the soundtrack the theme song to go yes. to the yes. and he's like no no I'm already doing back to the future and so then they got Ray Parker Jr to do it that and yeah it's it's just very obvious very <laughs> so obvious. they
3: called Ray Parker Jr and just said
0: can you do hey, can Lewis- you copy Huey Lewis yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i remember as i i think pat and i probably read all the same wikipedia pages but i was looking into the the theme song thing, and uh, I, I had never watched the music video for the for the <laughs> Ghostbusters song that Ray Parker Jr. does, but they said it was like a huge, huge hit on you know MTV when in its early days, and they played it like nonstop. And it is so bad; it's such a crazy <laughs> bad video. Everything uh, is from back then,
1: I guess. Well, so. you got Thriller. I guess that stands thriller out. Thriller is amazing by comparison, for sure. But that's kind of like a little mini movie. Well, I think uh, I think everybody's seen Ghostbusters. We probably don't need to dwell too much on it. It's a great movie, comedy, uh, nice action.
3: Wait, before we move on from Wikipedia, I just want to mention: if you go to Ray Parker Jr.'s Wikipedia page and go under personal life, <laughs> I, don't, I just went to the page to looked because I was thinking about it, and under personal life, it says they have four sons. Ray right the third. Redmond Gibson, and then in parentheses, his favorite, exclamation point. His so I, I like to think his kid got on there and, and uh, graffitied oh, it, and awesome. no one bothered fixing it.
1: Maybe Ray Parker Jr. himself got on there and did that.
3: I hope not. Because
1: his other kid had done something shitty. And yeah, as a lesson.
2: <laughs> Go check, your, check my Wikipedia page, you little asshole. Little Ray. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh... Go ahead.
1: Well, summing up, uh, you guys got, what do you want to say mm. about Ghostbusters? Everybody go should see it, it if you haven't.
2: Oh. Yeah, that's. it's one of those movies where if someone says they haven't seen it, you're kind of like, what's wrong with you? You haven't seen such a, a fundamental, you know, American pop culture icon of a movie.
3: And then they say, go see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you say, go see it. And, uh, and watch for the blowjob scene. That's how you sell them. Oh, God. You'd be surprised, though. I mean, you know, there. W- what Paul McCartney won, like a Grammy or something? I don't know what the fuck he won, but uh, it, there was something you know on Twitter where all these young kids were like, "I'm sorry, but who's Paul McCartney?" Mm. So there's there's probably that sounds familiar. I think those people who say that stuff are just trying to be funny.
2: They're trolling. I, you know what? I think I actually saw, of a, a vid- like a YouTube video, where someone was going around asking. Young teens, like, about the Beatles or something. It, may, it might have been Billy Eichner. It might have been his show, and he would just, like, go up to people and ask them, like, about the Beatles. Or maybe maybe I'm getting confused between two different things. But I think I've seen actual video of people being like, ah, I don't know who that is.
3: Well, I can believe people not knowing. I just, I'm just surprised that someone would would go on Twitter and say that instead of taking the five seconds to look it up on Wikipedia.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know, when they're watching some award show and they see some old man on there, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we had there was somebody Neil and I worked with. Uh, she doesn't work there anymore. Uh, I won't say her name or anything. But she uh, was fired. She uh, <laughs> sexually harassed both of you. She should have been fired for this. Um, she didn't know who <laughs> Willie Nelson was. Oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Let's let's move on to Ghostbusters two then, eh?
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a turgid piece of shit.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think of the things that I like about the movie, because it's easy to focus on all the
1: things that are bad about it. I wrote down what I liked. Uh, okay. The mink coat coming to life, I thought <laughs> was <a> clever. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> I I agree. Uh, I like.
3: Not only did it come to life, but it left. It It, yeah, didn't stay around. Just got out. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: that's really good. Um, That's my list of things like. Well, what is yours, Neil? (laughs) Uh,
2: I I kind of love and hate the guy who plays the the art restoration guy, the, the oh, assistant to Vigo, Ally McBeal guy, the Ally McBeal guy. Oh, yeah. And I, I never watched any Ally, Mc, Ally McBeal at all, but I know that he's from that show. But I remember when I was a kid thinking his part was really funny. And then watching it as an adult being like, ugh, this is so hacky. But then there are a few moments that are actually, he, he does a good job and they are pretty funny. I'm trying to think of a good example <laughs> Uh, I'm kind of coming up a little blank, but I just I remember noting when I watched it again, like, all right, you know, there's a point or two for you, buddy, whatever your name is. Um, And then, God, what other good points are there?
3: Uh, it wasn't very long. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. felt longer yeah. to me, though. Well, it, yeah, it did, but so that, that that guy was just on the the. Uh, What's the name of it? it's Shield show, whatever. Agents the of shield kitchen's a shield and and I saw people online were commenting, Oh, I was glad to see him. I couldn't I didn't know what they knew
1: him from. I didn't remember him being mm-hmm. on that. Feel. Well, he yeah, that was I mean he basically does kind of the oldest, hackiest comedic in quotes thing in the world of of just doing a silly voice of indeterminate origin really
2: Yeah, he's like the Belki Bartokamus of uh Yes. <laughs> like more current. Please don't insult Brunch and <laughs> Hey, I mean, you know, he that's his character. He's responsible for that. <laughs> I I, I don't mean to keep bringing up
3: Wikipedia things, but apparently, the, 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 whatever his name is, was so involved with the character, he came up with the backstory. He even he even drew the map of the
1: country he came from. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, you, you, then you're just up your own ass at that point, aren't you? <laughs> I,
2: mean, I, I, you know, I actually have to say, like, thinking of good things, like that character, you know, good points, bad points. But the guy who plays Vigo is pretty amazing. I remember I was watching it. And, uh, Sarah, my wife was in kind of the other room or whatever. And she wandered in right when he, Vigo starts talking about something like he, his face comes out of the painting and he's talking to somebody and she just like looked at the screen with such utter revulsion. She's like, what the hell are you watching? What is this <laughs> thing? It was really so very the funny.
3: The actor was different than the voice. Max Van Sedal did the voice. Oh, show. Max
2: Van Sido. He Cito. did? Yeah. that's crazy oh my god that's amazing that is the reason why he sounded so good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he looked so bad <laughs> yeah oh
3: that's there's something i liked about the movie that there's the the one scene where ben stein is in the scene and the guy from magnolia who was the the library cop
2: i did Seinfeld. catch mac uh, uh ben stein what was that scene oh it was at the near the end of the movie where it's like the
3: the the everyone the panic room for the mayor where they're that's trying right to they're all him. around the mayor yeah, and first the the I guess the chief police is played by the library cop from Seinfeld, and then the next second is Ben Stein. It's I mean it's a, a throwaway scene, but I just thought it was funny that those two
1: yeah I mean, I, very I see, noticeable
3: voices were in the same scene.
1: I see the library cop from Seinfeld all over the place now. Um, just you know, he's just a character actor who pops up in a lot of things. I guess that mm. um, I I didn't know who he was until that Seinfeld episode, but um, yeah, I noticed him in this. Uh, there are some. Well, well Vigo uh yeah uh, I did want to say he was he was creepy ass he was like the the Danny Trejo of uh yeah of the yeah. ghostbusters yeah age I don't know who that actor who was the actor Pat just some no, nobody
2: nobody yeah, I don't yeah
1: he, oh, let's Wikipedia go back to says it's minute.
2: wilhelm von humburg <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh the babies were played by John Denver's nephews um, but uh I I know I know we were past the first movie but I want to go back to the the first movie, William Atherton's awesome. He's, like, the best uh, bad guy from the 80s. The oh, guy who played the... Oh, yeah. the yeah, guy he's who plays great.
2: Walter Peck? Yeah, yeah. Peck. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic.
3: Not, I know him best best from Real Genius, but I think he was... Oh, he's in uh, Die Hard, too, which Michael Morris
2: hates. Yes.
1: Oh, that's right. He went on record with that one, too. I don't think he's seen it, has he? <laughs> no. No, he hasn't. He hates everything Wait. it stands for, which is... Uh, which is using your penis uh, the way it's supposed to be used. Oh, Michael. easy now. Uh, but, but
2: he he <laughs> I don't know what it is about him but he's he's just deliciously evil. I, I oh, guess. he's great slimy bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the weasel bad guy and and the exact opposite. Well, the okay, so the guy who in the second movie who does that same job, who <laughs> plays the the mayor's assistant, who's kind of the asshole to the ghostbusters. I don't know his name, uh, but he's kind of balding. He has like these weird like, deep-set raccoon eyes. And he's, he's another generic actor. Generic like, character yeah. actor who's all over the place. I recognize him from some other movies. I don't remember. But he is a bad weasel. Like he, He's just yeah. like, who's not funny. You don't care about him at all, and he's just annoying. But the yeah, the Walter Peck guy, he's awesome. And uh, a good friend of mine from high school, my friend James, he... he Cited Ghostbusters as the reason why for the the whole like first half of his life until he like understood more about the world. Ghostbusters makes makes young kids think the EPA is like th- the worst organization <laughs> ever because they're like anti Ghostbusters, <laughs> stupid <laughs> evil EPA. <laughs> well,
1: and aren't they in a lot of ways? I mean,
2: yeah, yeah, they really just want to stop everyone from busting ghosts, man, yeah,
1: from yeah. busting ghosts from. Having a nice barbecue. Smoking outside.
3: <laughs> oh, that's another thing about the first movie. I, sorry, I keep going back. There was a lot of smoking in it. Mm-hmm. Dan, Ark- Dan Aykroyd had that scene where the cigarette's hanging out of his mouth, but the entire movie smoking a cigarette. In the second one, he smokes a cigar, which I guess is the because cigarettes were less popular
1: in 89. I don't know. Uh, well, the, no, I think that's more Dan Aykroyd becoming a douche. Yeah, that's a good example.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, if he is okay in the first movie smoking a cigarette he's infinitely more
1: annoying in the second movie smoking a cigar (laughs) and everything's more infinitely annoying in this movie i want to talk about bill murray because i think this movie is largely his fault i'm not not Hmm. really it's a it's all bad but bill murray like like you were saying everything seems forced his performance seems forced he seems like he's kind of just sleepwalking through it. He has none of the charm in this one. He didn't turn it on as far as I could tell. He says the lines the same way, uh, but it's, it's like, he's like doing an imitation of Bill Murray in this movie.
2: It's so weird how he's, he, it's like, it's a, it's a weird like relationship movie about him and uh, Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver and yeah. like her and her baby who gets captured by an evil <laughs> uh, uh, Carpathian <laughs> Um, but yeah, he—it's—it's it's very it, the thing with him and uh, Sigourney Weaver is so forced that even yeah. though he's doing, he's acting it the same way and saying the lines the same way, it just—it just feels so fake and kind of uh, artificial. And the
3: story in the movie is that Bill Mary's character is no longer a part of the Ghostbuster, or he went off to do his mm-hmm. own thing. And it kind of feels like the actor that's true yep. that Bill Mary doesn't want to be there.
2: That is a great observation. Yeah. He's just like kind of being called back by his buddies to make, you know, a million dollars or whatever.
3: Well, and apparently he only did this on if he was uh, would be allowed to get money to do Razor's Edge
2: hmm.
3: because he was a huge Somerset Mom fan, which I remember watching that in college and liking it. I don't I... know.
1: I saw it in the theaters when it came out, and I liked it too, but uh, yeah, I, it didn't do well, I know that.
3: Well, yeah, but uh, I think a lot of the reason it didn't do well is because they were expecting Bill Murray comedy movie, and it was Bill Murray
2: dramatic role. Yeah. I feel like I rented that, or I got it on Netflix, and watched some of it, and either fell asleep or stopped watching it for some other reason. I can't remember what what I thought about that, or if I even saw more than a few minutes of it. Um I'm going to have to look at that again. Pat, you think it's good? I remember it being
1: good, but that's 15 okay. years ago. Same, I haven't seen it yeah since since 80 whatever. Um
3: <clears throat> I like the 90. book. So I I like I like mm-hmm. when I like when books I like get put on screen and they aren't ruined and that I, I don't remember ruining it.
1: Okay. I thought Razor's Edge came out before Ghostbusters 2. Um Hmm. Yeah, eighty four. It came out same year as Ghostbusters.
3: Oh, I must have it backwards. I'm sorry. So he, he was the, that's what it said online that he did. Go, I guess it was Ghostbusters. He agreed to do Ghostbusters if he was allowed to do Razor's Edge. Okay, uh-huh.
1: so he agreed to do uh, Ghostbusters too, so he could have the money to do Garfield: A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs>
3: Clearly, I thought I think he did Ghostbusters too, so he could put um, Wes Anderson through grade school.
2: Just so he'd have something to do later in life. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. I mean, oh, I thought it's something I liked about it. Yeah. I like the fact that they didn't turn Sigourney. We- I guess it's impossible to do, but Sigourney we- Weaver's character wasn't helpless. That she was always acting, always to save fighting the baby. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't like stuck behind a screen the whole time. She ran in mm-hmm. for the baby, and then when when it was time for the Ghostbusters to come in, they didn't come down and save the baby. She grabbed them from the altar. So I I did like that. It wasn't. I, and I think it might be impossible if you write a script and Sigourney re, uh, Weaver reads it and she's helpless, she just won't do it. So <laughs> maybe it's not them, but I, I did like that. That's how it was.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um,
2: I, although there is the like, I agree with that uh, to a point. It's it still feels very old timey movie. The way her she chases after the baby carriage at the beginning of the movie, where yeah. like just grab the fucking cart. Like, what's
1: so hard about that? <laughs> Well, that beginning scene—that's uh, just watching that. I knew it was going to be bad because she's yeah. walking down the street and there's all this weird slapstick shit going yeah, on yeah. with like a cop giving a ticket and and the guy drops something. Oh, I, I, it's terrible! Um,
2: I thought it, it, that your that whole setup to the the opening of the movie felt felt so different from the first movie. I was convinced definitely someone. Else wrote and directed this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's and they did it all didn't. the same people.
1: <laughs> I know. I was amazed too. It's insane.
2: Oh, more
3: Wikipedia trivia. Jason Reitman is the kid who who's, who hollers at Dan Aykroyd and Artie
1: Hudson
2: at the birthday party. Yeah, nice. Oh, that, that was that was kind of funny.
1: The uh, birthday party, although. It was also painful, I think not in the way they intended it to be painful, right. with Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson dancing and singing to the Ghostbusters theme. It's more like
2: self prophetic. Like you're <laughs> watching it and you're like, Yeah, you are this. Yeah. You are terrible. <laughs> and you're not sympathizing with them at all. No. <laughs>
3: you're sympathizing with the kids.
0: Yeah. Exactly. You're ruining their party. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's yeah, it's not it's not a wry commentary on uh, what's become of right. these poor characters, it's it's more what has become of these actors. It's just the real, actual reality. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I would say that I liked Rick Moranis again in this movie. He was still, it was still a very silly, goofy part, but he just did it so well. And the woman who plays Janine, I forget her name, but yeah. uh, they they have this weird kind of Annie Potts. cartoonish uh, relationship with each other that feels like it
1: would be really hacky and predictable, but it still made me laugh.
3: Yeah, I agree. No,
1: so. yeah, he's he's probably the best thing about the movie. I mean, have you ever heard anybody say I hated Rick Moranis in that? No. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. He but it the whole movie seems like they just they didn't try. Like they, they thought, well people love these characters, so that's all we really need.
3: And they had and they didn't have just one; they had two music videos yes. in the
1: movie, and the I think the music
3: one was like really rappy and the
2: other was just kind of bad. Well, the Bobby Brown single from the soundtrack that's in the end credits is actually something I remember vividly from growing up like that was I would have been in like middle school when that when this movie came out and when that song was big. And I could still probably sing most of the lyrics, just because, <laughs> not because it's good, but just because it was playing when I was that age, all the time. And uh, it's a really silly and funny,
1: stupid song, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was nineteen at the time, so I was over <laughs> You're that like, shit. Fuck this, Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, it was t- like like you brought up Pat, uh, the uh, what's his name, Slimer. Yeah. Driving the bus? Oh, God. I, I, like, winced.
2: Or the Statue of Liberty, like, and uh, Cheech Marin, like, oh my, hamming Cheech it Marin. Up through, like, some weird window, like, twice. Like, there's two scenes where he says some stupid line through, like, some port window or something. I don't right. know. Right. Yeah, he all, made
3: more money from those two lines
2: than all his years of Cheech and
3: Chong. Mm-hmm. And he lost it all to Don Johnson in a bet.
1: Yeah. Well, the, no, that was terrible because the, the Titanic pulls up, right? The, the ghost Titanic ship. And uh, and then Cheech and whoever the other actor was in there with them, their reaction shot was a, whoa? I mean, it was like <laughs> so literally. Dumb. And they did it twice, like you said. Better, was it better
3: late than never?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, sounds right. Yeah. I I mean. But just their eyes popping open. I'm surprised they didn't like scratch their eyes with their hands really quick, like <laughs> they're doing cartoons. It was so ridiculous. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I'm thinking Dan Aykroyd at this point was just like, "Well, it's it's a assured paycheck. Well, I try. I don't. I don't know. I can't figure it out."
2: I think that the movie, the first movie, did so well <clears> that like broke box office rec- records, and it was just so hugely popular that. They had they kind of they must have been under so much pressure from their studio to just do another one, do another one, like that. They had to say yes to the money or something.
3: I but agree with that for everyone but awkward. I think awkward lives actually. In licks, go- yeah, he he's This into Ghostbusters it. universe, and he wants to make a movie, a Ghostbusters movie, every year, and he wants I think to you're right. <laughs> tell everyone what's going on in the ghosts in his life.
1: Maybe the but I mean it's weird that there were five years between the movies. Be- because with that kind of time, you'd think they'd come up with something better than this.
3: <laughs> How long after this is Groundhog Day? Is it a long Was time? Groundhog Day '92. '92, yes, that's pretty Not close. Long. Yeah, and uh, that's Ramis, right? He directed and wrote that, or he yes. it,
1: yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, gotta be. You know, you talk about great movies, and and uh, I always, you know, say some old foreign shit. I mean, I do like all that stuff, but I probably haven't watched any movie more than I've watched Groundhog Day.
2: Okay, here's a here's a great inter, intersection between Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters 2. And it has to do with one of the best parts of Ghostbusters 2 that we haven't mentioned yet, which is Bill Murray's paranormal show that he hosts that they show at the very beginning of the movie. Yes, his TV talk his, show. His interview show. And one one of the guests is a cast member from Groundhog Day, one of the innkeep, innkeepers or owners or whatever. Uh, he's the guy who has the vision of the world coming to an end on valentine's day like next year or whatever right and i'm just putting this together in my mind he's the guy who who he sees every morning when he comes out of his room and says something about the weather or something like that to him or the shower or something right funny
3: that guy is is, i would have never thought of that because he's he's one of those guys that's in everything i don't have no idea his name but there's a lot of
2: really like well-known but invisible character actors in groundhog day i think there's
1: so many of them well, yeah, that's the way to to do it if you can, I guess.
3: Yeah, and but... Brian Dola Murray's in Ghostbusters too. What? Oh, oh yeah, yes, he was. Brian
1: Dola Murray. What? What? Who did oh, he yeah. play?
3: Uh, uh the mental hospital
0: doctor. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, he didn't ha- have any kind of funny lines or anything. He's just there.
0: Yeah, uh, just like he's Cheech the Murray. guy in
2: Caddyshack, right? The guy who runs the Caddyshack. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Oh shit. He's really young in Caddyshack, but that's him. Man
3: and the and did you say he's not Bill Murray's brother? He's like a stepbrother? He's his half or... brother, I think. Half, half brother. brother. Okay. Yeah.
1: But he so looks like him. He does. Man, talking about blowjobs. I think Brian Doyle Murray should give Bill Murray one every, a now. every day of his life. That is a quite an image. <laughs> <laughs> they are only half brothers, Neil. It's all right.
3: <laughs> okay. So, so if they has what does Clint Howard, Howard have to do for Ron Howard?
1: Oh, I, I can't. I'm not even going to say on this podcast. <laughs> That's some dark shit. <laughs> Clint. Uh, cl- I, I prefer Clint Howard to Ron Howard. Clint <laughs> Howard happen. never did some beautiful mind bullshit. Uh, so you just mean in general as a person. As a person, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
3: Clint Howard never did any Arrested Development.
1: Yeah, he did. That Oh, he did do he Arrested Development. He was the guy in the tree yep oh, that's he, right sure was there you go but Pat. I, you can't I was just trying
3: to say that Ron Howard had more to do with the rest of development in Clint Howard but then I forgot he was a guy in it's that,
1: that should be his role in everything really <laughs> yeah I don't even want to talk about Ghostbusters 2 you can tell we're like going off on tangents
2: uh <laughs> one of the I things go that, that I that I would complain about both movies uh the first one and the second one is the kind of uh It probably is more of a genuine thing to do in the first movie because of the time. But it's this weird, like, New York is awesome, don't mess with New York kind of, uh you know, New York City is cool kind of attitude that I think in 1984 was probably still needed. But, like, by the time Ghostbusters 2 comes around and, like, being so kind of... uh Jingoistic? Yeah. Not jingo, but just like so in your face with like the Yeah, New York City is the best town in the world. Like that stuff gets so and I'm speaking as someone who lived in New York and loved it. Like it it's so gross. And like, you know, it it pops up again and again in movies like you know Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly.
3: Spider-Man was the worst.
2: So bad. And it's just so self-conscious and so on the nose, that it, yeah, it's, it, you, there's no place for that.
1: Well, the thing, and the, the thing about that is, um, if it was a movie set in Oakland, that would work, but everybody <laughs> already knows New York is, yeah, this great right. fucking world city. I mean, it's the,
2: like the biggest kid on the block being a bragger
1: as well. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, oh, God, speaking of the New York is great kind of shit, um, well, not really, I guess, but it, somewhat. The, I just want to mention at the end, the plot is basically Ghostbusters with some details changed. Um, but at the end, they beat uh, Vigo, the mm-hmm. bad guy. Do you guys remember how? From the people singing outside? That's what... <sighs> yeah. Jesus that's, And that's Christ. what I'm getting at.
2: Like, oh yeah, the spirit, like the positive energy of New York can like defeat the bad guy. It's so just disgusting. It's yeah. so...
1: so. Yeah, I don't tacky. know if Disney ever did anything that corny. So
2: stupid.
3: <laughs> Even the evil character was one of the people singing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the evil. The mayor's assistant, not
1: Vigo. Oh or yeah, yeah. And the the weird thing was, uh, he they stop and they say, "Listen, do you hear that? What is it? It's it's the people singing outside." I had no idea what song they were singing. To me, it sounded like Rah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> everybody's singing something different.
2: It's So dumb.
1: But yeah, the walking down the street in the statue of liberty that was no that was the uh Staypuff Marshmallow Man of Ghostbusters 2 not not even comparable
3: using mm-hmm. a Nintendo Power console controller or whatever to, that was to control the, her yeah
1: the
2: most uh the most awful product placement ever <laughs> like i mean that was the year that that thing came out and then suddenly and it's like the most awful product period like that thing did not help you play the video games better and it costs a lot of extra money, and just because it was in Ghostbusters, they sold. <laughs> I mean, everyone I knew had to have it because they saw it in that stupid movie.
1: It, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I, I mean, I guess it was really obvious product placement. I, Rick Morana said earlier to Annie Potts, "You want to play Mario Brothers?" Yeah. <laughs> so I guess yep. I guess Nintendo real deal
3: there yeah and I remember as a kid thinking that the Steak puff marshmallow man was a as the real was a real product logo that I just didn't know about and I was like I want to get some Steak puff marshmallows so in the second movie they instead of making fun of that they actually went all in
0: yeah
2: Wait, so but Steak puffed is a real brand is that what you're saying no it's that's not. What I thought oh,
3: okay, okay. I mean that's what I assumed and, and okay. when I was a kid but it was got just it. something they were making fun of got it
1: yeah it's it's really weird how uh, how off the mark they were on this one. Like you said, Neil, it was made by the exact same people. There's that's no, what's crazy. Yeah, there's no reason I can see for it being, and it's not like it's the worst. It's it's a completely terrible movie. It's just kind of boring and dull and not funny. Right. It Which I think is its,
2: pretty terrible. Gets in its own way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Pat, you you can you can follow it and you can kind of. Stay oh, yeah. engaged the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's it, just no I real mean, payoff.
3: It was a money grab all around. Like uh, Neil talked about the the Nintendo stuff and the the two music videos. It was just like people want to go see this. We'll they'll go see it and they'll buy this stuff and we're done.
1: hmm And and Neil did buy that stuff apparently. I did. Well, I didn't. I
2: never owned a Nintendo, even though I wanted one very, very much. But I. You did own I the Bobby my, Brown. i did i i had that album the the soundtrack to ghostbusters 2 on vinyl (laughs) that was one of my first record purchases as a as a young young little asshole uh another funny scene that i just remembered from looking at some picture that came up on wikipedia is the judge that they they have like a really awkward scene where they have to like stand before the judge and like I don't know, be, they're in trouble for something. I don't know. But then then ghosts come into the courtroom, and then they have to bust the ghosts. And that guy, the guy who plays the judge, is a really funny character actor. And when he says that it's the Scoleri brothers, like that, something about that just really makes me laugh, the way he reads that line. It's like, oh, Jesus, it's the Scalari brothers. I just love that. That's <gasps> That's like that's my mink coat coming to life and running away. <laughs> but that scene did have a, a good interaction between
3: Moranis and Bill Murray when he's on the mm-hmm. stand. That that was pretty funny. That might have been. I mean, that was one of the few times Bill Murray was actually funny.
1: Yeah, Bill Murray is feeding Rick Moranis lines. And say, Rick yeah. Moranis is the lawyer. Yeah, um, but the judge. I, I know that actor too. I, uh, he's another one that's everywhere I'm the yeah. the actor who plays the judge. But he was written so cartoonishly. Yeah, with just it's, a it's, shut so up. Dumb role. It's so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the problem with the movie. It's just, it's dumb. There's no, none of the wit of Ghostbusters. That's Uh, true. But thankfully also no uh, inappropriate uh, beyond the grave sex (laughs) scenes either. Uh, Not that I can think of.
2: I think they probably, I think I remember they make a weird uh, sexual joke about the Statue of Liberty and looking under her skirt or something. Oh,
3: which, yeah. Bill Murray says, do you think she's wearing anything so under there? She's gross. French, you know. Yeah.
1: Right. Which I didn't get either. Right. Because, Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The French don't wear... I I don't know. Either way, it's not funny.
3: No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's something... Another thing from when I was a kid about the first one, there's a scene where Bill Murray is waiting for Sigourney Weaver out, outside when she's at work. And while he's waiting, he does this, like he's standing there and he's like... Jumping on one foot, moving around. When I was a kid, I was so enamored with that, I was like, that's how cool people wait for other people. And whenever <laughs> I waited for years and years, I was trying to
2: emulate that. Wait, are you talking about when he's outside the uh the um the, the concert hall? Yes, and, exactly. Uh, and yeah, and he does the thing, he's wearing the weird orange jumpsuit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that. And then at what point, Pat, did you realize that's exactly what uncool people do when they're waiting for somebody?
3: I don't know if that's true. I
1: I still think that's a great scene. Like Oh it is Bill, a great scene.
2: Yeah, Bill Murray waiting for, for her and doing whatever he's doing. Like <laughs> you can't write that.
1: <laughs> nope. Dan Aykroyd tried in Ghostbusters too. And he proved you can't you can't write any of that. I
3: like how we blame Ackroyd for everything. I mean, Reitman yeah. and Ramus, I'm sure, were involved somehow, but really it's all
2: Ackroyd's fault. It's fucking Ackroyd's fault.
3: You no
1: <laughs> <question laughs> know it is. Because, well, because yeah, he's, he's, not,
2: he's not done anything since then. Right.
1: Well, he's such a weird fucking guy who's into like that paranormal shit, like you said, in real life. Do you life. remember
3: his show? His TV show? The the paranormal TV show he had? No. Vaguely. Oh, oh it, was <laughs> it was a really odd show. It was... There was, like, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was, like, these police officers that were cops, something like that. They just worked on paranormal stuff. And the the episode would go as, as a normal episode. And at the end, there'd be, a, a, a like, a, a, a stinger with Dan Aykroyd where he talked about what happened in the episode and how it really happens in real life. It was, it was something
1: else. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it's sad because he's, like, he's one of those guys where he's obviously an intelligent person and you know you you meet them sometimes and you like we'll be talking to them and and you can have a real intelligent rational conversation and then they come out with something like you know the holocaust holocaust was a lie or some shit like that you know and you're like fuck what the fuck <laughs> like why is this one area of your brain or your, your logical thinking fucked i don't get it
3: oh and so John Candy was supposed to be in it and... Uh... Uh, Eddie Murphy. Also, Bill Murray was not supposed to be wasn't supposed to be him. It was supposed to be Belushi.
2: That's right. I didn't remember hearing that. So that would have been. Really- and then he he. What's crazy is like he died, and then like a year later, they they just kept kept on producing this movie. Like they had they had written a whole script with him with with Belushi as the main character. And then they're just like, oh, all right, he's dead, so let's move on. We'll just write it again. <laughs> so it's, Mary got the script with his... Lucy's crossed out and just Bill yeah, put in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's weird. It's a
2: weird industry.
1: Well, it, it fucking worked out, that first one, the casting, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, fuck it. Don't, don't see Ghostbusters 2, anybody.
3: Or see yeah. it if you like bad movies.
1: If you want to make fun of a really stupid movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's enough payoff. I mean, there's not even really enough to make fun of. Just watch it for the mink coat. And, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, once yeah. that comes on, turn it off. <laughs> Go to the judge in the mink coat, and then you're good.
2: <laughs> I did like The River of Slime, not because of anything to do with it specifically, other than just like it, it, it piqued this interest I have in like the hidden world of New York City, like the underground tunnels and all that stuff. It's, it's, that is fascinating to me, and I think I, I might, the first time I ever was exposed to the idea that there's all this weird, uh, unused sections of the subway and stuff was, was from watching this
1: movie. So well, I'll give it credit for that. It's not really yeah. unused. That's where the chuds live. <laughs> <laughs> the chuds are using it. <laughs> and the mole people.
3: Rem- reminds me of that underground city in Seattle. Which, when I visited Seattle, all the people who lived there said, don't go, that's a tourist trap. And I went, and it was the most awesome thing I've ever done. So, go see, go do that if you go to Seattle or Portland. I've never heard of that. I don't, so, don't even know what, what
1: you're it, talking what about, it? dude. Oh, in
3: Se- Seattle was uh, in, I guess, the 19, early 1900s. There was a huge fire, and instead of doing what normal people would do, they just built on top of it. So, uh-huh. they're, all the, the streets that were there before, they're still underneath the sidewalk, and... For 50 or 60 years, they used that for storage down there, but now it's just a tourist area where you can walk around underground Seattle and see where there used to be storage for the, the the taverns up top and where there was brothels and that kind of thing. It's really neat. Are you sure somebody wasn't just trying to take you to their
1: sex dungeon?
3: <laughs> I don't know, but I have a nice ball gag to, to go for it.
1: Was Dan Aykroyd there? <laughs>
3: we... No, Peter Aykroyd was there, though.
1: Oh, good pull.
3: Who's Peter Aykroyd? I don't actually know. I, I name seem familiar, so I just
1: went with it. Look him up, Pat. Wow, we're digging a hole now. <laughs> yep, we're going down a rabbit hole of stupid.
2: <laughs>
3: I must be thinking of Peter Deleuze.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know why. Okay, I'm gonna. I I feel bad because I brought up Michael Morris in in a what sounds like might have been a negative context. Michael Morris would like. The one scene in this movie that that contains a witch coming to grab a little infant baby and take it away to a (laughs) demented... uh, (laughs) demon in a painting.
1: Yeah, no, he would approve of that. that he would so approve of that. We should so have him just watch that listening. scene.
2: <laughs> yeah, just just needs to Google or YouTube that one scene from Ghostbusters 2 and just put that on a loop.
1: Yeah, because Bill Murray's not even involved in that scene.
2: Exactly. So. There's no Bill Murray. It's just an evil... Uh, this is, I, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is not making him sound any better. Oh, I think he would agree that it does.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to see... Uh,
2: you're what? right. It doesn't it doesn't make him sound better, but I think he, <laughs> it, it, uh, I, yeah, we 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 criticized him for not liking Bill Murray and Die Hard, and didn't give him any credit for liking uh, witches that kill babies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh uh, wow! Well, I there's I, I forgot to mention something else I liked. Um, I liked it when the uh, the baby at the end uh, sang Rocky Mountain High. Well, that was a nice yeah. homage to his his uncle.
3: He had, to, he had to wait till after the credits, but yeah, that was neat.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick around, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's a little a little Easter egg at the very, very end. Alright, we're done with this piece of shit. I wish
3: more movies would do that. I I do like those Easter eggs. Not that that really happened, but I'm a big fan of waiting till after the credits, and it's nice to have an excuse to tell other people to wait with me. Oh, there's gonna be something there.
2: But then, when there's not, then they just hate you. They're yeah. Like, oh, yeah why true. did you?
3: Make oh man, I sweat bullets when I'm not sure. It's true.
1: Yeah. Did you? Did you? I. I mean, not a lot of people know, but like Citizen Kane, after the credits, he stands up and he's like, "No, nah, I was just fucking with you."
2: <laughs> the end. And then the Martians come.
1: And yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when the Martians attack and at eat his hair. Very end of the credits. So he didn't really die, but then he he does die. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of an O. An o. Henry twist there. Um, all right, Are. what do we got, Pat? Recommendations? Recommendations. Oh, do you have a recommendation, Neil? Hmm. We we try to do pop culture recommendations. Well, maybe you, you can you think two of go. One. You two go. I'll think of one. Okay, Pat. I didn't think of one either, so I'm gonna let you go first.
3: <laughs> um, the I don't know if it's how new it is, but the Deltron Thirty Thirty Event Two. It's a very fun CD.
1: Oh yeah, that's a really good fucking album. So, I I can back that up. It was that Ghost. That ghost came back, Pat. <laughs> it didn't like Ghostbusters, the so... The theme... Um... Fuck, now I have to think of something. Oh, well, you know, it's not out yet. It's coming out on Tuesday, but... It will be out by the time, uh... This podcast comes out. So ignore my whole last sentence. Uh, I'll recommend, uh... The Velvet Underground White Light White Heat Super Deluxe Edition. Has some live stuff and bonus things and... Witsawatsis. Uh... That's, I guess, that's my recommendation. I'm trying to think. Oh, have we actually recommended Pat? We've talked about it, but uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I recommend that. Yeah,
2: good... I I would second that. I I don't think it's uh, like the world's greatest show, but I definitely think I I look forward to watching it each week because it does keep getting better. Yes, and I like the potential that it keeps sort of fulfilling. Um. Uh. Yeah. It it does make me laugh. It's not. It's not perfect, but each one, yeah, just kind of keeps drawing you in and
1: making you want to see what happens next. So I, you,
3: yeah. And there hasn't been a bad episode yet.
1: Right. Are you piggybacking on my recommendation, Neil? Is, is I, your...
2: I'm trying so hard to come up with something. I'm really bad at, at uh, remembering what I like. So I am not... <laughs> you just focus on the things you hate. <laughs> I, no, I just... I yeah for some reason, I have this weird block coming up with uh things to recommend or Is there things any to new talk shows about that I like.
3: aside from brooklyn nine nine that you watch
2: um you know okay, well, I just started watching community because I've been hearing about it for you know years now, and I don't know what took me so long to dive in, I think because maybe I didn't notice that it was on uh Hulu or Netflix or whichever of the two that that has it um but I finally uh, got around to starting it, and now I'm hooked. So I'm uh, again; it's not perfect, but it's definitely I like it, and I'm getting into that show. So yeah, we're both fans. That's a good that's a good pick. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, well, and I'll I'll even piggyback on that again. Uh, this will also be out by the time this comes out. Uh, I've heard a few songs on it; it's, they seem pretty good. The new Childish Gambino album, which is uh, Donald Glover mm-hmm. from mm. Community, his musical project.
2: I have a a, a piggyback to your piggyback. Um, I have been... I've just discovered this year uh, the work of Nick Lowe. uh, Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Nick Lowe, so good, and has a brand-new Christmas album that is... great. ...totally great, and I totally recommend that to everybody.
1: That's my pick. Yes, I've got a song from that on my upcoming final Best of 2013.
2: And what is it called? Because we we should actually give the name of it because it's a little uh i will find it real quick yeah yeah um because it's a unconventional christmas album that he he came up with to not be a shitty like predictable christmas album it's called quality street
1: yes and it is it is very good i agree with you uh i I, everything nick lowe does is good i recommend his entire catalog there uh, you go which goes back to the 70s so all right um well i guess that's it unless you have anything pat Nope, nothing Is going it? on. God damn it, Pat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like how I put you on the spot. And I don't even try to offer anything, and then
2: make you feel guilty. <laughs> John, what are you doing? What's going on? Uh, Getting ready for the holidays, yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know what that means. I mean, it means stocking up on booze and guns, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm constantly doing that, Neil. Okay. <laughs> Come over sometime, and I'll show you my closet, <laughs> by which I mean my bedroom. Does that mean that I will be permanently installed in that closet? <laughs> well, permanent is is relative. Oh. Everything decays. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess I guess we're done. Well, this was nice. Uh, thanks for coming on, Neil. You guys, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for
2: having me. I've really been enjoying listening to your show, and 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 uh, you're the one. Yeah. Uh, well, that's me. <laughs> no, it's, that's, it's, it's it's a lot. I
3: hope you come back again. Next time, we'll pick out something that uh, you don't like, so you can really. And that would play be, into it
2: that would be cool, yeah,
1: I'll come back any anytime, you guys, let me know, maybe Michael Morris we will just rip on Michael Morris. how's that oh no. i like I like how I made Neil nervous earlier with my reference to Michael Morris and his using his penis and <laughs> you know Michael doesn't care about that,
2: I know, but I also sit right next to him and i don't want (laughs) to be the focus of his wrath which is mighty it's mighty that wrath so when michael
3: morris is on he he who who does he rip on he rips on mia Mia. Mia. yeah so Ursula. so if mia comes back she might rip on you neil oh yeah
2: then we could have the the just sort of circle of people being shitty to each other but no (laughs) one's directly giving it back to that person
1: that's like society in a microcosm there you go just passing the buck. Mia will never be shitty to anybody. I, <laughs> I try to get her to do it, but she won't. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no. We love you, Michael Morris. You know that. That's um, so true. If He's you, a hero. Yeah, if you take an offense, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you catty bitch. All right, until next time, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. with you.